I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. This is Dumpty Drum, the show about the reality Dumpty Drummer that has entered an ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the proud peacock, that is Royfield Brown. And with me are the shabby peahen, who goes by the name of... Kerry Warbis. And we are joined by that dour peafowl, who's also known as... Peter Fickling. And the last part of this week's pheasant party, folks, is you. Now, this week's Dumpty Dum comes from our Lillian, our very own social supremo Lillian, got out her harpsichord and banged out a Dumpty Dum. She came to the rescue of the party because none of you other buggers have. So we do have another two weeks worth of uh, Dumpty Dums, then the cupboard is bare. Now, Kerry, I beg you, I implore you (laughs) to really put some welly into this plea to the great listeners of Dumpty Dum land to send us in a Dumpty Dum. I could listen to Lillian on the harpsichord every week, to be honest with you, <laughs> which isn't quite the cell that you were hoping for. Uh, it reminded me of Bagpuss, which is probably wrong. Oh, but, yeah. um, anyway, if you would like to sing us a Dumpty Dum or leave us a plot prediction, then call us on 0203 031 3105, leave us a message on SpeakPipe or send a text message starting with Dumb to 077 00690. And thanks to our new social media supremos, Cosmo for his podcast roundups, Mike Hatton for his character counts, Shambridge for her voices, and to Lucy B. Freeman. So on this week's episode, we calls from Elsa, Lady Garfgar, Caroline Wright, she's a new caller in a row, Witherspoon, Glenn, Full of Love, and Sarah Spilsbury. The Brummy is back. 
Uh, but first, you know the drill, folks. We have our burning issue of the week. Right. Now, um, what is it? I hear you all ask. <laughs> and this week's hot topic is characters who we love in the show but would hate to have in our real lives. Mm. Now, uh, Mr. F, I believe, as is your one, uh, you nominated this as something we should talk about. So why don't you go first, sir? Well, Kenton is um, obviously he's a bit of a goofball. You know, he's he's always wheeled out to uh, be the compare to village fate, or if there's some, if you know if they need to uh, deploy some light relief in um, in any episode, Kenton's off, often a go to. But it was just listening to him on the radio the other day. I just realised I would absolutely detest him in, in real <laughs> life. Um, you know, uh, you know, lots. Of, he'd be the kind of guy who'd sort of turn up with a, a a hand buzzer and shake your hand, and then be sort of like you know. <laughs> wandering off in peals of laughter or you know showing you endless gifts and memes on his phone until you can finally um manage to change the subject um and then i was chatting with kerry as is as is my uh, way and we and then i was sort of quizzing her about her sort of unhealthy uh, uh fascination with brian and would that be you know you know would that last a transition into the real world yeah, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it, that the characters that I love, I've made a little list here, I actually wouldn't wish to either sort of have as a relative, um, a lover, to be stuck in a lift with, that kind of thing. So Brian, um, who I adore being on the archers, if I wouldn't want to go out with him, I wouldn't want him as a husband, I wouldn't want him to date my daughter because that would be wrong because there'd probably be about 40-year age difference, but... Um, yeah, he, he, he's a caddish bloke, which I adore to listen to. But would you really want him as your best mate? You probably would, and, actually, if you were a bloke. I don't know. <laughs> and, and then the flip side, some of the people who are probably quite sort of do-goody and dull are probably exactly the people you want in your life. Like a Rex Fairbrother, always there for you, always reliable. You know, like today, I I had to sort of struggle to get a sofa through my front window and I sent sort of off a series <laughs> of messages. I knew who to send them to, and they certainly weren't to the Kentons or Bryans of this world. It was mm. to my neighbours who I knew would put down their computer, you know, reluctantly come round, knowing there was some hellish chore to help with. And, yeah, and I, it was all done within 15 minutes. Yeah. What about you, Roy? Who Who's your... Have you got a favourite character who you would actually not wish to be stuck in a lift with? I was actually stuck in a lift with Charles Collingwood. Oh, so yeah. that, yeah. So, so cl- de- deploy <laughs> clang sound effect, please, Royfield, and you get it. <laughs> he walked in, yeah, and I was right by the button, and just for a moment I hesitated because I didn't know what to do, thinking he was going to press the button for what floor he that he wanted, and he went ground floor, please. And I went, bloody hell, you're Brian Aldridge. And he says, yes, I am. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I was so starstruck that um, Mm. by the time we got out of the lift, which is only like two floors, um, I had my picture taken with him. (laughs) And then my friend that I was with said, what do you do for a living? And I went, I make podcasts. What is your most popular podcast? I went, dum-de-dum. Why didn't you ask him for his number so you could Mm. get him on the show? I was just so starstruck. Yeah. Anyway, I quite liked him. And also when... Yeah, but that's I him, called... not Brian, isn't I it? I know, but, but I also on. do like Brian. I like yeah. the whole 
um, you know, whiskey drinking, you know, he's an older man, bit of an alpha male. In, but I mm. also then like, so my favourite character is actually Robert Snell. And I like the compare and contrast. They're both mm. actually good people and, and Brian is somewhat mellowed in his old age. Uh, however, if we're looking at, you know, Kenton as somebody who would just like wind you up a treat in real life, couldn't agree more, could not agree more. Yeah. But I would say, though, that literally all the female characters are people who you like and it's the male ones who are yeah. more troublesome. Well, no. well, I, I was thinking about Shula. this. Shula, Shula alert. Yes, it, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> I mean, that's, Christ alive, that's a, that's a topic of the week within a topic of the week. I mean, Shula, yeah. Uh, because of the sexism, which is still obviously a massive issue, um, you know, uh, it, a lot of the women, I think, are written, I think women, the women are written more positively in general, mm. general because, because, you know, it's a, we're all trying to help our daughters and sisters and wives smash through the glass ceiling that other men are, you know, just as... They're just as eagerly patching up and uh, and you know reinforcing. So and I think you know the archers is supposed to be a force for good in t- editorially. And I you know I, I think I touched on this last week with with um with um Alice. Um, you know, Alice is overqualified in the village, but it's necessary to have all these women being mm-hmm. overqualified, being overly lovely, being overly uh, um useful. Um, so yeah, the men have to the men have to be the shits. Pardon my French. <laughs> Yeah. Except for Natasha. No, I take it back. Actually, I'm talking complete nonsense. Natasha's odious and awful. Pat's odious and awful. Yeah. Um, Helen's Helen's not awful, is she? I mean, she's actually a good person. She's just incredibly annoying. I mean, um, I'm not a wild fan of Jill and Peggy, to be honest. But yeah, I might, don't know. Do you know what? That everything I said is complete tosh. <laughs> and actually, Brian, I would love to be at a dinner party where he is present with his sarcasm and tales. You know. So it, I'd like him in my life in that regard uh, around a dinner table, but not actually properly having to go home with him, I think. Yeah, I think I think in my eagerness to get you talking about Brian sort of accidentally forced us to talk about a character who really does work well in, in, in both scenarios. Mm. You know, But take Justin, for example, fantastic entertainment, but just an awful human being. Um, mm. Toby Fairbrother. Imagine mm. being at that pool party when him and Kate are basically having sex in the deep end, or so the shallow end. He's a nightmare, but very entertaining on the arches. Pip, Pippin, you know, Pip, I should, I think, would probably be quite annoying in real life. Sanctimonious, oh, God. always. Of course. Yeah, yeah, but again, she's she's normally, you know, she she she's good copy um, for the, you know, for, yeah. via the the the, the uh, typewriters of the um, writers. How about Susan? You know, she, she's brilliant, isn't she, to have in the the script. Whenever she appears, it's like, oh, what's going to happen? But would you like a Susan in your world? Yes, that's a really good one, isn't it? Because her and Joy, I mean, I could not have been more public. I, did, I think I told someone off on Twitter the other day for having a go at um, um, our lovely Joy. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I could not be more public in my affection for uh, Susan and Joy. But yeah, could would I want to have them around for a dinner party? Could I... Mm. Uh, Actually, you know, I don't have any. I don't want anyone around for a dinner party. But that's a whole separate <laughs> issue. Uh, but in in the unlikely circumstance, I wanted people in my house. They, mm. I think they'd be fairly low down the list. Actually, you can't have more than five guests now, can you? Currently, okay, so, <laughs> so we should we should have chosen our five that we would have. So that's Ro- that's Royfield, you, Rosie, and then that leaves me with um, two more. Quentin. What Quentin's coming? Yes. 
Um, so, okay, that's it. That's the bubble. We've got to start some kind of very strange um, dumpty dum kibbutz <laughs> and Brian, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Roy, Royfield has to get Charles Collingwood's number somehow. Oh, I, I have it, Peter. I, <gasps> we, 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 can get, we can get him over. Um, just very quickly, I don't know whether it's because uh, you pair think much more deeply about this than me or whether it's just my inner Buddhist, but none of the people which you mentioned actually do I dislike and would I not like to be in my life? And, and for mm. me, the only distinction that I could make is the amount of time I'd want to spend with them. But going out and having a drink with Kenton, fine, as far as I'm concerned. Um, having uh, maybe, let's say, um, a walking tour of Rome with Jim, which might be, what, a long weekend, brilliant. Uh, having, that's very specific. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, but, <laughs> Walking but, but, tour of yeah. Rome, not not Venice. But Selling Rome. myself on a billion dollar <laughs> yacht with uh, Kate, fine. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> well, and Oz you know, with Pip. Yes. I put these in as illustrative <laughs> examples of how I could have a decent time with literally all the characters in the Archers. Like I don't have a problem. I wouldn't Rob? have a problem Rob? with Russ? being uh, well, current, current, not the Moss brothers, you know, not, not the not the Moss family, you know. Yeah. Let's take obvious villains out of out of the conversation. Yeah. But if I was next, if if uh, Joy Horville was my next door neighbour, it'd actually be all right because ultimately, how much time do you actually spend with your next door neighbours? It's you talk over the fence, you know, you, you know, you you pull up. And they're pulling, you know, they're leaving. You exchange yeah. pleasantries. You know, it's a ten-minute chat. Then, then you go inside. So joy, joy is fine. She, she's free range. She can go anywhere, live with us. You know, whatever. That, that's all good. I think it was really favourite characters that we actually wouldn't like to spend. So yeah, you are very magnanimous in that, Royfield. If you, if you hmm. don't it's have a favourite character that you couldn't spend time. Right. With. Let's go and re-record the start. Hot topic of the week. Royfield is wonderful. No. no. Kind-hearted, gregarious, all-loving Royfield and mean, nasty Kerry and Peter with their venomous, <laughs> yeah, uh, vile streaks. It's very generous-spirited of you, Royfield, I think. So, so I, I, let's, go, let's go back to the very beginning of this. So I'm listening to, I'm listening to the Archers, uh, dumpty dumpty dum, literally, and uh, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, Kenton's being an absolute bellend on the radio, and I just suddenly it just sort of like I was like, oh god, I can't stand him sometimes, and it made me realise how um, how you know over the years he's always been this kind of affable, harmless kind of like you know village jokester, and he this week I saw a kind of very sort of selfish, slightly sort of. Uh, mm. And self-interested side, and also previously, where you know when he was trying to sort of sort of suggest to Jolene that he should be on the show as well, and then mm. he came in under the umbrella of you know promoting the bull, or when he was uh, sort of lambasting Harrison privately, and um, you know um, privately and, and and sort of like slightly to Harrison for not being interesting enough to be on Susan's radio show secretly, sort of you know uh, wondering why he wasn't involved. Yeah. Um, and it just it's sort of I just realised that over the years I've always given Kenton a bit of a kind of easy time. Yeah, it was weird hearing him saying, "Why haven't they asked me? I I am the compare at the village fete." Yeah, <laughs> as if that made him sort of Kanye West or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, 
I, I did when Susan got her gig on, you know, to be the uh, be, be the DJ on Radio Forsetshire. I did say, and I'm sure I'm not the only person, that Kenton was the most obvious one because he's smashy and nicey, isn't he? Yeah. That's, that, that's who he is. So you can imagine, uh, you know, local radio or independent local radio yeah, having just... a Kenton-type figure. Mm. And, and again, right, uh, if I'm driving the car from point A to point B and I need to hear traffic updates, which but nobody really needs to. You have it on Google on your phone now. But let's just say you know, back in the day, and I've got some, hey, Kenton Archer here, you're listening to Radio Birmingham, blah, 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 blah. You know, <laughs> for 20 minutes, I could just about survive that. You know, I'm not going to hate the man for that. So, yeah. Royfield, I'm, I'm thinking Kerry would be maybe um, Annie Nightingale. I'm obviously Alistair Cook. Um, so, <laughs> who are you? you th- I mean, maybe the big hairy cornflake. Um, not Savile, obviously. Um, but uh, oh, who would Peter. you be? I oh, mean, who would you be? I just said, I said, oh, God. who would you, who would you yeah, be? No, I, 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 <laughs> I don't know about Annie Nightingale, to be honest. She's a bit of a wreckhead, isn't she? Is she? But, you know, she's... That um, might be libelous. Retract that. But she's, no, she's, um, she stood the test of time. I mean, any, any dozens of um, um, controllers have come and gone and thought she's worth keeping on air, Kerry. Yeah, yeah. So let's she's stick with off. a big Kerry Corflake then. <laughs> Wah, wah, oops. Hello, Ambridge 3962. And uh, first off, uh, we have Sarah Spilsbury. Oh, this is Sarah Spilsbury here from uh, the West Midlands, where things aren't looking too clever at the minute, but uh, never mind that, because on the other hand, things are really picking up on the arches and whilst the monologues you know they've, they've served the purpose they've given us the opportunity for additional insight into the characters which you know we probably wouldn't usually get it's good to have some proper plot lines on the go once more and it's all the difference between monochrome film and one of those we've got technicolor and by golly we're going to show it off type films you know like sort of like gone with the wind where uh, yeah they had a, a few problems uh, due to people having slaves as well, really. Uh, which leads to, first time for me, plot prediction. Mm. I reckon that um, in regards to the shoplifting, that whilst Moss and some builders have been working out of the village with Blake, the other two, I'm sorry I forget their names, um, have been neglected by Gavin and have found a way out and gone shopping without money. Because I'm thinking of the sort of stuff that was stolen. Not It wasn't just the biscuits, but there was packets of soup and, and so on. And they're not likely to have great cooking skills. And I, I, I doubt Gavin was uh, serving much above kind of kettle cuisine to them, you know, made out <laughs> of a packet. Also as well, Tracy's uh, stealthy plan of using the phone for CCTV purposes if they find that, I don't think Brad's going to be seeing his uh, phone anytime soon. And they'll probably take that with them. And then somehow, probably in a few weeks, not immediately, somehow that will break the situation. I don't know, maybe as strange calls being received by Brad's mates. Um, 
there might even be a call to Susan's radio show. I've just listened back to the broadcast again, just saying about the uh, phone being in her possession by the time she made the call to uh, Susan, so it's very possible she was using Brad's phone. Anyway, I'm going to sign off now, and um, looking forward to the events um, in London, which I'll be attending via my back room. But uh, in the meanwhile, stay safe and ta a bit. Gosh, she covered a lot then, didn't she? That was excellent. I'm actually quite excited about this CCTV thing, surveillance. I hadn't really thought that the um, phone might be stolen and then used to ring Susan. That's really far thinking. And I do like kettle cuisine as a a, a sort of genre of cookery. (laughs) I I think the Kenzie and Blake um, uh, guesswork is, is absolutely bang on. I think yeah. that's it. It makes some complete sense because I I was trying to work it out and and failed miserably. That just I think that has to be it. It's definitely it's it's definitely so they they've set up Susan and Tracy to be the detectives mm. on the block. Yeah. And I think that has to play out even if it's silly at the moment. They have to kind of, you know, sort of like sort of bumble and stumble up upon the truth somehow. But I think that's how it'll happen. Uh, they'll mm. they'll go and confront Kenzie and Blake who will then break down and um give away crucial details. Yeah, I I'm quite enjoying this plot line actually to do with uh Gavin and Philip and you know, because there's the whole sort of pretend solicitor thing going on, isn't there? And yeah. then uh, Susan has said to Tracy, you've got to go and um, apologise to Philip and Gavin, which is going to open a right old can of worms, isn't it? I, but when she's, when she's going there, when she's going there now, um, half to apologise, but also half indignant about, um, you know, their, their workers half inching stuff from the shop. Yeah. Yes, exactly. What was uh-huh. the other phrase? We had uh, we had shopping without money, which I liked a lot. Yeah, that was good. And the other one was something cuisine. You just said it. Kettle cuisine. Kettle cuisine, that's it. Yeah. There should be a whole new Channel 4 series of kettle cuisine. Well, I, I hopefully Jack Mon- Monroe Sarah. will do one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> Royfield, you're the king of the early prediction. Are you, are you upset you didn't work it out or did you already? Uh, I had already, but I, I thought this was uh, oh, like an open goal. <laughs> I think it is, though. Yeah, I'm surprised really? you didn't, Peter. To oh, be honest yeah, with you, it's, it's, it's obviously yeah. got to be desperate people. They've 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 nicked custard creams for God's sake. You know, they're so mm. desperate. <laughs> okay, but, I'm sorry. And I'm sorry. That soup. Maybe that's it. I'm too close to the problem. I this is how I live, hand to mouth. You know, scratching yeah. around trying to eat anything that come, falls in my path. Whereas you two, I'm a scavenger. <sighs> you two are at your high table, um, sort of. You know, Great big sort of joints of venison delivered with um, port and mead. Yeah. Peter, I think anyone who's eating light bulbs is on dire straits, really. That's a good point, yeah. Mm. Uh, the, the other thing, though, I we haven't heard mention of Kenzie or Blake wandering around the village before. Yeah, I, that's, that's mm. what threw me off. I was... I. Because I saw a little bit of stuff on Twitter, people were make, kind of like you know guessing around um, the, the, the you know the, the Moss Brothers plotline, and I I couldn't remember if they were actually working in the village. Um, but is that definitely no. that's definitely the case? Is it? Well, they did the when they fixed the, the playground, so they have been to the village, and then obviously uh, Blake was working at Grey Gables, but. Uh, you know, we haven't heard of them 
anybody want them wandering mm. around uh, the village and with them exchanging pleasantries with anybody or people just asking yeah. who they were. But it's so obviously them. Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask I a really stupid question? Where are the horses kept? Uh, awful term, obviously, but, you know, yeah, how someone far said, from the village are they? We, we don't know exactly, do we? So, no, okay. Other than that Gavin has to look after them. He had to live with them for yeah. a while, apart from a naughty trip to... That's when they would have done their, their um, uh, shopping Shop without looking. money, is when they, they went to um, when he went to Wales for his um, his trip to see Kelly. But, um, well, was yeah, that I, pretend, though? That was all pretend, wasn't it? I, no, I think he, I think he definitely went Was he not just looking after the horses instead? Isn't that... No, I think he was, I think I he was there to, to earn, earn favour from um, um, Philip. But I do remember when they were having that weird um, backwards and forwards where uh, you know, um, Gavin was at the top of the scaffolding um, shirking off and having a sandwich and Philip was at the bottom yeah. staring at his son with sort of undiluted contempt, which was a very strange um, <laughs> a series of monologues. Um, mm-hmm. Wasn't there reference to the fact that um, didn't, didn't when they were talking later, didn't they refer to the fact that, oh, don't worry, we're away from, you know, we're away from prying eyes here. We're unlikely to bump into anyone, which is why I, th- which is why I think I sort of thought they were keeping clear of Ambridge with their work. But mm. maybe I'm sort of projecting too much onto it. Mm. But when you need a custard cream, you will walk a thousand miles. Is that on the packet? Is that part of the marketing? <laughs> <laughs> well, if it isn't, it should be now. Uh, but here is somebody um, who. Uh, definitely walked a thousand miles to come to Dum Dum uh, mm-hmm. do before and a meet of its Glyn Fullerton. Hello Dum Dum, it's Glyn here. I thought I'd pitch in on the great monologue debate. Given that our greatest dramatist in the UK, Shakespeare, was not averse to the occasional use of the monologue, in fact the most famous Shakespearean speech to be or not to be, is, of course, a monologue. I think it's hard to argue that monologues have no place in drama and should have no place in the archers. However, I would suggest that certain rules are obeyed, that monologues are only used when they are the best way of advancing um, the story or advancing the plot. And the second rule never to be broken, is that a monologue should never be given to Adam. Yay, <laughs> I knew he was going to the, say that. Before we leave Come on, the subject Lynn. of monologues altogether, <laughs> um, one person who, or one character from whom we haven't heard a monologue is Ruth. And I suspect for many oh that will be seen as a good thing. But I think it would have been interesting to hear uh, a monologue from Ruth if it was going to shed some more light on her relationship with David, um, Mm. following up on the very interesting Zoom we had a few weeks ago with Tim Bentick. And I think it's a shame that um, we haven't had that opportunity. Anyway, good wishes to all in Dumpty Dumland. Thank you very much for the podcast, as forever. And everybody, have a good week. Goodbye. Uh, Well, darling Glyn has actually encapsulated what I... I certainly meant about in keeping the monologues going to a degree. And I, I can't speak for Peter, but I think that's kind of what you meant as well, in yeah. that they should only be used 
when they're the best way of advancing the plot. I wish I'd said it in that way when we were talking about yeah. it. I also um, like um, Glenn's, um, th- said, I can imagine his three laws of robotics. Um, always obey a, hu- a robot shall always obey a human. A robot shall um, never kill a human. A robot shall always kill Adam. You know, it's just a, <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely brutal. Uh, yeah. And also um, the Shakespeare thing, of course, you know, what, Toby or not Toby. Uh, uh, oh, my that's, Lord. That's, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Royfield? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. No, I just. No, He's well, nodded I just, off. I was just, I was just curious. You're the, you're the sort of um, RT sort of uh, highfalutin one. How do you feel about um, this? This very well. You're very, you're very learned. You're very uh, sort of studied. You spend your, you take your daughter on um, uh, study trips to Berlin. Um, how do you feel about Shakespeare being deployed to refute your argument? Mm. I've got a lot of time for Glyn Fuller Love. I've got a, a lot, a lot of time for Glyn, and I think he probably used one character who the the inner workings of her mind <laughs> are massively underutilized on the whole docudrama mm. and that is Ruth and I completely agree with Glyn in that regard and it is in large part because uh because of what Tim said on that zoom in that he, David mm. loves Ruth much more than Ruth loves David yeah and david is always worried that ruth will go off again and and leave him there's a massive uh emotional disparity between the two Mm -hmm. if that is the case and tim bentink made a very good argument for saying that is the case it would be interesting to hear the inner workings of of ruth archer Mm. and compare and contrast that with david but we weren't afforded that I would be interested in that, but I'm quite happy to have, to glean what Ruth really thinks about David and their relationship through listening to two or three months worth of the archers, to be honest with you. However, I concede the point that actually, just like Nokasha, she's actually a much more interesting character to get into uh, the cranium of. Mm. And also, um, you've just made me think of Linda when she mentioned her mother this week, Mm. um, how her mother had had a detrimental impact on her self-esteem. You know, I know she was having a conversation with uh, Robert at that point, but um, that kind of thing, you know, where you think, oh, that's not a thing that we've heard, but it's a thing that she's obviously thinking about quite often, I would imagine. Um, I think it's that kind of thing that would really um, be served well by having bits of monologue happen. These these last two weeks that might might be my favourite two weeks of the Archers in a long, long time. I've really enjoyed them. You've got some serious plot lines. You've got some, you know, um, slapstick. It's all there. Um, there's drama. There was a proper cliffhanger with um, Alice a, in a couple of Fridays ago, a couple of Thursdays ago. Sorry. Um, yeah, it's it's absolutely fantastic, and I think that the the, the smattering of monologues that are remaining are, are, are helping with that. Good, good. Uh, well, uh, from Gillian Fuller, love, um, Mister Mister Dumdy Dum himself, quite mm. literally. Did we go to somebody who's been caller in, uh, not quite since episode one, but definitely uh, in the second year of the show? It's Witherspoon in the Upper East West Side. 
Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs Mercy Greetings everyone in Dumpty Dum Towers and all Dumpty Dumbers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. First, I'll tip my hat to Peter for noting the need for Linda and Robert to just start talking. That's just what they did, and it was heartwarming. Lillian's aggressive intervention was effective because it came from a place of love, unlike her niece Emma's similar attempt, which came from a place of anger. My next tip of the hat goes to last week's caller in who called us out for perpetuating Philip and Gavin's description of their workers as a certain field animal. I hope we do learn more about the history and psyche of Philip, how he must have set out to entrap these fellows into a life of indentured servitude by offering them a hand out of some other terrible situation into his own. My bet is they are the shoplifters, desperate for some basic food and supplies, but I imagine we'll know this by the time this is aired. A good point was also made about Gavin. As well as being the overseer, he is as emotionally indentured to his father as the workers are physically. Regarding the fact that he insisted on 30,000 pounds for his destination wedding, he was likely urged to do so by his then fiance, and he would not have made this request of his own accord. Another thought about Philip. Actually, I made this analysis several months ago. In addition to the psychological defense mechanisms of denial and rationalization, he continually utilizes what's called isolation of affect, which means the person screens out painful feelings when contemplating stressful or traumatic events, in this case, the way he treats his workers, without experiencing the expected negative emotions. He'll replace it by thinking about his upcoming wedding to Kirsty or some public project he's doing. Voila! He thinks he's a great guy. Talk to you soon. Ooh, with a spoon. Yeah, he's tipped his hat to you, Peter. Yeah, and I owe with a spoon an apology because last week I, I started off by saying um, how, um, uh, you know, it was a shame that he was um, disagreeing with you and me, Kerry, and then Royfield had a little temper tantrum and I think we, we sort of lost <laughs> lost sight of everything with a spoon had said. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree with... Uh, well, I, it's, it's, it's a, a completely perfect encapsulation of what I was trying yeah. to say last week and um, thank you for that Witherspoon because it's, it was said more with a more er, more erudition and more you know, f- mm. a much greater level of clarity than I managed but yes I, I think that it's it's psychopaths or people with you know in that direction mm. their their ability to convince themselves of of, um, of what that you know what the, the benefit of what they're doing is is terrifying that's the real yeah. terror of, of psychopathy yeah yeah Agree wholeheartedly. Uh, I also liked how Witherspoon explained that Lillian, being that catalyst with Robert and Linda, uh, came from a place of love um, with her feedback, if you want to call it that. And Emma, hers was from a place of anger. And that's perhaps why it didn't quite work so well. All the- <laughs> um, although I can totally understand why Emma did what she did. There's a lot of debate about, you know, was it too forceful, too blunt an instrument that she used? Um, I kind of, I enjoyed it as a bit of drama, obviously, especially as Alice was sitting there. Uh, And yes, it didn't work immediately, but it's going to work, isn't it? Mm. It is. It is. It's like, 
a long fuse, isn't it? Yeah, in three years' time, no one will will be talking about Emma being um, blunt and clumsy. Mm. Mm -hmm. True that, true that. Uh, uh, Oh, sorry. mm, I was just going to say the the, the other bit about Gavin's 30 grand wedding. Um, Witherspoon's point about the fact that he was probably... um, it's not a thing that he maybe wanted, but that Kelly perhaps wanted. And so, again, he's being... With a spoon. Mani- <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no. It's a pathetic uh, joke. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's what With a Spoon wants, no. Um, is that uh, Gavin was probably manipulated into demanding that. And he's being manipulated by his father at this point as well. He is a manipulated person. Yeah, true. Was- uh, yeah, so a caller in said last no, an email in wasn't it? Yeah, it was it was interesting, Roy Ford. I noticed I actually made that point earlier on in the show and, and then when the when the caller in caller Innera made it, it was they were they were showered with plaudits. And when I made it when I made it, I was just you know, we just the, the, the topic was just sort of hastily pushed away. It was quite upsetting actually. Yeah. He probably said, Rosie, what do you think after your point? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what I did say? Uh, the next caller in is Caroline Wright. Hello, this is Caroline Wright. <laughs> I'm a supply teacher and also I work in a supermarket. I first started listening to the Archers in the 1990s. Uh, the most significant thing I remember was John Archer's death, which was very, very shocking. I remember Tony being, you know, very shocked as well. And he was, it was a very moving scene, the whole thing. All the more because it was unexpected. Well, on my part, anyway. Um, what I think about the archers now, Emma's approach was very direct, but I think sometimes we need that, you know, to be shaken up to make us realise, gosh, you know, we have got a serious problem here. I think sometimes we can pussyfoot around things too much. I also wonder about Alice. I like Alice because she's not a snob like her mother. She doesn't care. She she married a horribin, and she does think about people a lot. You know, she was going to plan. She's planning something for Ian's birthday. I wonder why does she drink? You know, there's some insecurity there, maybe from her childhood. There's a whole Rory thing, and also her mother had affairs, and also there's the ever perfect Debbie. She looks up to her, maybe, mm-hmm. and um, you know. Maybe she had a lot to live up to, maybe a bit too much to live up to. Um, Gavin and Philip, I hope they get their comeuppance. Um, it's going to be uh, a while yet, I think. I wonder, perhaps that's how they were brought up. Maybe get Philip's father did the same, so it's a kind of a normal situation to them. You know, take someone off the street and exploit them. I think Linda and... Uh, Robert will be fine. They'll be absolutely fine. Okay, that's all from me. Bye. Another brilliant caller in Yes, fantastic. I mean, blimey, Carolyn Wright, please ring again with your insights. I loved the, um, you know, she's been listening since John's death. That, you know, interesting point to come in at. Um, Is Is that within your listening time, Kerry? Yes, I think <laughs> pretty much all of it is. Well, <laughs> 40 years. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, Emma, Emma's directness, you know, that is what you need sometimes to just kick stuff off, isn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah, um, I mean, we, you and I were talking the other day on the on the phone as a yeah. kind of post-holiday catch-up, getting yeah. ready for the show. And I was saying about when I used to be a bit of a drinker, you know, drink too much, how mm-hmm. I was slightly shocked by how none of my friends had ever taken me to task. Yeah. And I've obviously thought about that since having not had a drink in seven months. Yeah. And, and then I was sort of thinking about the fact that, uh, and I was saying to you, that, uh, you know, given my personality, given that I can be and... Mm. Everyone can feel free to disagree. Occasionally, quite quick-witted and sort of quite forceful <laughs> as a personality. There's a lot. It, people are putting a lot on the line to confront me about it, mm. and I think that's why maybe I and um, the caller in, the latest caller in, were uh, sort of applauding Emma because she's, you know, she's taking a hell of yeah. a risk to put herself out there and go up against Chris, who's no shrinking violet. Go up against um, Alice, who's certainly very confident. And uh, yeah. I think that, you know, and, they want, and and if you're going into that, you're probably going to be feeling a bit defensive anyway, knowing that you're going to most likely yeah. take a kicking. Yep. And she tried to only speak with Chris, not Alice, but Alice insisted on being there, which is sort of understandable. So she did try and have a, have a chat with Chris alone. Yeah. I also, another thing I loved about Caroline, Caroline or Caroline's... Um, call was how she said she she likes Alice and um you know the fact that she's not a snob she married a horribin uh and we need to perhaps think about the reason she's drinking which does get a bit lost because she's being so vile (laughs) um but you know she's hinted at the fact that she doesn't feel good enough and we've spoken about this before here but you know there there is a reason why she is doing this isn't there You know, or more re- more than one reason. I was also surprised, and and Royfield made the point, uh, and I think fairly, um, a few weeks ago, that I have a habit of projecting too much of my um, either bad nature or good nature, depending onto onto the situation. I, I'm not very good at t- seeing another point of view, um, but I I think I would have been grateful for someone doing what Emma did I would have think I would have felt a relief like thank goodness someone has said something yeah. thank goodness someone has put me under enough pressure now that I'll probably react mm. um but I, I think the one thing though and with this being complete with his finger on it is mm. that when Emma went to confront Chris with the truth she did also go with a certain element of glee to poke a hole in his perfect relationship. Did, did, did you, know? you think that? I didn't. I no, didn't get Alison, that. Absolutely, absolutely, because of the insinuation that Alice um, fancied Ed. She was like, "Oh my goodness!" Mm. And remember how horrible Alice was that they live in a caravan. Oh yeah, there's no love lost, certainly. But yeah. I do think Emma's prime motive is concern. It absolutely was. I'm just saying there's an element of. Yeah, I'm not saying is. it was the whole reason, but yeah. there's an element of. Yeah, okay. You know, here you are, Chris, you've married into money, etc. but your wife isn't perfect. She has a problem. Yeah, true, true. Yeah. There may well be a bit of schadenfreude going on. Mm. Um, I'm doing the right thing, but all oh, by happy coincidence. And, yeah. and Peter and I, another thing we spoke about, Peter, was about how I, I feel that the majority of people that that I know, anyway, at least, uh, do not relish conflict and would shy away from conflict. And, and we were talking uh, about how you very much do relish conflict. <laughs> <laughs> I don't shy away from it. You know, I'm I'm game for it, and uh, I I would probably have done what Emma did, which is sort of march in and go, look, this is happening. You know. P- please wake up. I, I, 
but there is—I don't know if there are many people who have that. No. Um, like you said, bravery, or I'm not saying I'm brave, but I don't mind doing that kind of thing. But I don't know how many other people would actually enjoy—not yeah, enjoy, it, but be able I, to do it. I think a lot of it can come from your upbringing, can't it? Like, I mean, I've been booed on stage three times as a child I at one point the, the head teacher the head teacher told the entire school to boo me while I was on stage um as a, um, and I've been beaten on stage by another head teacher and so for me it at the end of all this it turns out that I've it's, I've ended up pretty much immune to shame like you know <laughs> that's what that's what's happened Good to me grief. but but for someone but for someone else they could end up completely scarred and cowed by that. So I think, you know, like, you know, mm. if you have these experiences, like at a yeah. certain point, at a certain, you know, it's like, so I don't know why, I don't know why you've ended up sort of quite sort of comfortable having mm. um, more uh, uh, abrupt and sort of awkward conversations than the mm. average cat. But, um, but you know, like, but, but for whatever, it doesn't, what I guess what I'm trying to say, it doesn't have to mark you out as an aggressive person, the no. fact that you can deal with it or put up with it. Which school did you go to, Peter? <laughs> maybe don't want to say no 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 so what, but basically two, two i'll do this very very quickly the first one was um i was told to stay at stand in the corner till the end of school the end of school came i left to go home because that's what i was instructed to do and when i turned up school the next day um i found out that that the, 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 the headmaster thought differently and anyway um my sister i don't even remember this my sister remembers it because obviously i blanked it out and the mm-hmm. other one was um uh, I got so many negative marks that the headmaster made me stand on my chair and made the whole school boo me at the end of term. So that was uh, that was wow. the, the, the school after that. But yeah, but I but you know they, they're, they're funny stories to me. But I can see how if if I'd gone in the other direction, yeah. that could have been, those could have been defining moments. They could have left me absolutely yeah. destroyed. And I'm not yeah. saying it with any kind of pride because I'm sure there's all kinds of other negative compensations that are rattling around in my noggin. Mm. goodness peter well yeah there you go well it's somewhat taking the wind out of my sails uh listen this next call is nrf gonna make you feel good then after what you just said <laughs> hi dumpty dummers it's lady garf garf again here i'm just bringing in quickly to issue an apology um it was very early in the morning when i recorded my message and um the word bullying is is a horrible word frankly and i don't feel like i should have used it uh in regards to uh kerry and peter so i'm really sorry if you were offended as i hope you remember i said i'm really enjoying the new format um and i wish everyone involved with dumpty dum the very best keep up the good work thank you bye royfield royfield can can i talk now please Please, Royfield, can I say something, please? Get on that chair. Yes, get on to Peter. Boo him, Kerry. Boo him. <laughs> I, I think that's brilliant by Lady Garf Garf. Yes. There aren't enough and, uh, apologies in this world for certain things. And, oh, oh, um, to, 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 sorry, Kerry, yeah. sorry to interrupt, but to you anyone who ahead. thinks I'm, I'm trivialising Lady Garf Garf's call, I, I should say that I have been in communication with Lady Garf Garf on Twitter, so that will not have been offensive to her, I don't think. My, no. My... my uh, slightly more humorous take. Royfield, how mm. do you feel now that your um your your moment of glory last week has been completely <laughs> undercut and you've been revealed for what you are, a cruel puppet master making me and Kerry <laughs> dance <laughs> to your, like to your dark, dark, your dark, dark music. Peter, right. After just revealing 
the trauma that you went through in your childhood. Yes. Do you think this is an apt time for you then (laughs) to, you know, be gleeful, gloat, and uh, to somewhat, you know, be disagreeable? She's, what she said was just very nice. What you said oh, was very he's not disagreeable with her. Peter, a, a very important member of the Dum Dum community, has put her arms around you because they felt your vulnerability in the way that you responded to the accusation. Just leave I'm, it at that. I'm very, I'm very grateful. What I think we've seen now over two, two um, Dumpty Dums is me trying to squirm out of trouble and you trying to squirm out of trouble, and I think we've got enough I'm, I'm range. Not squirming. I'm not squirming, so there you go. But- and the truth is out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. We'll drop there our we mics, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, it's Elsa here, social media supremo. But for this week, just another caller in a row who is calling in whilst I'm taking my lovely dog for a walk, who um, I very nearly lost after I spotted a deer across the field. Um, but luckily, he's a beautiful idiot. And he didn't even notice because he's very fast. There's no way I could catch him. Uh, anyway, back to the archers. I just wanted to mention how much I've been enjoying Lillian's storyline for the last few weeks. Um, I haven't, I don't think, seen anything on telly or on radio um, that portrays sexuality of an older woman in such a sensitive um, and interesting way. Um, this week there seems to have been a bit of a conclusion, I guess. Um, and my only hope is that this doesn't become another Archer's miraculous fix, like Emma and Ed's relationship, which was magically fixed by um, by a caravan, because that's how <laughs> relationships work, not therapy. Anyway, um, hope that they string this out a bit longer, let us a bit deeper into their lives, um, and... Uh, just kind of explore a bit more about what happens. You don't just have one conversation with mm. husband and then all of your trauma is fixed. Anyway, um, that's my point for this week. Um, um, love you all. Bye. The magic fix that sometimes happens, doesn't it? You know, yeah. uh, what's her face? Um, her depression being fixed. Lizzie. Where's mm. Lizzie, by the way? Um, yeah. It's, it's true. And I think Robert and Linda, when Linda sort of went, we've still got a way to go. And Robert was like, but we'll get there. And I think that was good that they put that in because that's yeah. an- anti-magic fix, isn't it? What exactly. they're saying to each other. Yeah. It's sort of it's sort of saying you you may now you now have permission to infer that we're still dealing with this off mic. Yeah. Even yeah. if we don't refer to it again. Mm-hmm. I want to say that I utterly love that episode and i loved them just yep. talking very, very honestly and we, we've said it a thousand times but they are the most i think beloved couple on mm. the whole shooting match and you just saw the love and the warmth from all yeah. angles the, the the only thing that i would say is that we, and just to link back to your point about monologues earlier on uh auntie kerry warburton mm-hmm. um was that we got the even that wasn't done in a monologue. Yeah, um, we had the revelation, or at least at least Linda talks about her mother and her cold mm. upbringing. I would say it wasn't that kind of obvious, really. That, uh, but it was put in there, and it was really nice for Robert to say. But that's the reason why I liked you because you were outspoken. All the things that her mother said that she shouldn't be to be able, you know, to get to get a boyfriend. 
Mm-hmm. It was so touching to hear Linda say, you know, she thought she would never find anybody. Ooh. And um, that she's, you know, the point at which Linda said, I don't like myself very much at the moment. And then um, Robert said, I don't either. And sort of went, me, not you. I very much like you, kind of some, something along those lines. Yeah, that was sweet. Yeah, it was just mm. like, yes, this is what we need, you know, them to be saying to each other. Um, and it did, you know, Linda being this sort of sometimes a bit aloof and a bit cold sort of character, isn't she? A bit superior. You think, all oh, right, this is where it all comes from. The sort of overcompensating for a lack of self-esteem was, yeah. I, I loved that that had been put in there. A bit the, of context. Um, yeah. I, th- I think everything that was, or Linda was already a very well-rounded character. And when mm. they started, when, when she did suffer the accident, um, I rather selfishly thought, oh, I don't want, I'm happy with Linda as she is. I don't really want her to be messed mm. with. And, you know, um, the same, yeah, the, 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 any of those kind of disasters, I'm like, no, 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 I, can't, I, don't, I don't have room for this at the moment. And so it's been incredibly enjoyable to hear the, the, the layers, extra layers of character, the extra depth they've added to a, to someone I already thought we knew pretty well. Yeah. Agree. Uh, I I agree. I, I agree also. We all agree. Here you go. Oh my god! <laughs> Doesn't often happen. Group but hug. We all agree. <laughs> um, whilst we have our group hug, Auntie Kerry Warburton. Yes. Uh, do we have any emails with an H? We do indeed. This is a very interesting email, um, and it's from an an anonymous sender. And they they say, um, I've wanted to drop you a line for a few weeks now, mainly to properly thank you for the Dumpty Dum Zooms during lockdown. I could see the immense amount of work you put into getting the actors timetables and the technical side of it as well. I enjoyed them so much and it was a key highlight um, in each monotonous week. So thank you deeply. Uh, The new podcast lineup is working really well. There's a terrific chemistry between the three of you. I'm sorry that I'm laughing. (laughs) There is, there is, which I thoroughly enjoy. Hoping your exclusion, etc. is merely bants. Well, well, we've now proved it is, so that's fine. (laughs) We do love each other. We actually said we loved each other in a recent podcast, and we never lie. So, um... The new social media, albeit exclusively Facebook team, are doing a fantastic job. And I'm so delighted that you've had people stepping up to it. I do have one gripe about it, however. I really, really dislike the references to posts on other Facebook groups. You gave a sound reason a few weeks back as to why this is, but I'm pleading with you to reconsider. I can't be the only listener who joined one or two of these other groups and made a decision to leave leave because of the style of content. And then in brackets, often unkind and unnecessarily potty mouthed, close brackets. And I do want to hear from them in my, oh no, I don't want to, sorry, there was a letter missing. I don't want to hear from them in my favourite Archers podcast. Last week alone, five of them were referred to um, Ambridge Addicts, Archers Anonymous, Upstairs at the Bull, Academic Archers and Archers Addicts. 
I appreciate there is a slight overlap with academic archers, which you know that I love, but we really don't need to hear comments made on any of these groups. There is an abundance of good content on the new Dumpty Dum group. Also, these other these others are groups and I don't oh, someone start their car engine outside my window. Sorry. Oh, all right. Uh, I'll wait for them to go. Um, also, these others are groups and I don't know the situation with gaining permission to quote people who have posted there. I would hate to think that a post or comment I make on Dumpty Dum is then used in another group without my knowledge, let alone permission. I absolutely love the Dumpty Dum podcast. Thank you so much for keeping it going. But my heart now sinks with the social media roundup, which is unfair to the new team. Anyway, I wanted to let you know my thoughts. Thank you uh, for your very thoughtful email. And it did give me um, a lot to ponder. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, is that I'd already had made a decision to stop doing uh, this, to basically to stop directing the social media team to look at other groups because um, some of the groups just didn't like it, uh, quite simply. Um, let's put it like this. Um, let's say that I was naive in thinking that mentioning other groups on the podcast and posters would be something that they would celebrate that they would say, oh, great, we're getting the oxygen of publicity. Um, maybe this might mean that more people will log on to our group. And that also by mentioning the person who's given the post, that that's an unqualified thumbs up. Um, and everyone would just be happy with that. Some people weren't, some people aren't. And for that reason, that reason alone, uh, we're going to stop doing, doing this. And I have said this to the social media team. We had a we had a, a chat all online at uh, some point last week. And uh, you know, no more will you hear of any other groups on the social media roundup other than the academic archers because they are our pals. And there is a massive overlap between Dum De Dum and the academic archers. Um, very many people like Care Aspie, uh, Mia Fox, etc., are uh, members of both those groups. And we've had the two doctors on the podcast. One of the lovely things about uh, Dum De Dum is uh, the community of listeners is that generally uh, we are utterly free of rancor. And I've never really been able to understand why people who are fans of the Archers can utterly set their hair alight and be so vicious to other people who are fans of the Archers. Um, as much as I love the Archers and I think uh, my Archers fandom um, is out there for all to see. I wouldn't be doing a podcast for six years if I didn't actually quite like the Archers. But I've never, ever been vitriolic and, and said that people were stupid and didn't know what the hell they were talking about uh, when it comes to their view about the Archers. And it has to be said, on some other groups, that does go on. So um, the very fact that Dum De Dum is a refuge uh, for other fans of the Archers where they just want... Uh, peace and calm, uh, you know, unicorns and rainbows, and they can just talk about the archers uh, without being vilified. If that's what we are, that's what we are, and that's what we'll always remain to be. So the social media roundup from here on in will just contain us and the odd mention of the academic archers uh, because half of you listening to this are on that forum anyway, and that's the way it will be. So thank you uh, for your email. You weren't the... 
only person to say this. I had heard this uh, from two or three other people and uh, we're going to make it thus. Well said, Royfield. It's a shame, but, you know, let's do it. That's fine. Uh, Now, um, I'm going to say the most ridiculous bit, which I say most weeks. You can take five. You can go off and do something. And you're saying, well, this is just really stupid because if there is an ad, I'll just pause the podcast, Royfield, or I'll skip it. Right. However, maybe take the time if you do get an ad just to listen to it because it does help pay for uh, stuff in Dumpty Dum Towers. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. And it's our very, fir- it's our very first social media roundup, and it's a good one. Dumpty Dummers. I'm Amber, I'm 23, and I've been a committed listener of The Archers from the time of, as one of you delightfully put it this week, the Titchener regime of terror. Coming to you from London with this week's social media roundup. Graciously, I've been presiding over the first week of proper actual scripts. On that note, I thought I'd pose you all with the question, what is it that kept you tuning in throughout the monologues? Which storylines really kept you tuning in? Chris Murray did give me a cackle with his response of all of them, except for Tony's haircut. I'm inclined to agree with you there. Visions of this Samson-esque Tony did not spring easily to me. 
That is, until I was personally drafted in to give my uncle a lockdown haircut. Then it was totally vivid. (laughs) Philip Townley said, didn't stop listening during the Titchener regime of terror, so not stopping now. Heidi Griffiths, Heather Fossey and Keith Rawlings all agreed that it had become somewhat of a habit. Heather Fossey, on a similar note, asked whether the monologues had opened up different, otherwise unseen aspects of some characters. A resounding yes was the response to her poll. Philip Deeks, however, said these innermost thoughts are not welcome and you can know too much about a character. I'm inclined to agree at that point because where is the mystery? I I don't think that the Matt Crawford storyline would have been nearly as compelling if you'd known what was on his mind that whole time. Unseen aspects of characters we all seem to get excited about, however, was the reveal of dishy and fashionable Harrison and Fallon, shown in a clip from the BBC back in the recording studio together. Of course, in Academic Archers, their responses were various proclamations of highbrow joy. Te Deum Laudamus, as Jim might say if he weren't an atheist, from Mike Wallstaff, Wogstaff. Rejoice as all is right in the world, exclaims Lewis Curtis Thomas. Susan Griffin said, regarding Harrison, a trifle younger mayhap? But what do I know? Doctors, teachers at all now all look like babes to this old biddy, so why not police officers? Our response in dum-de-dum was, um, markedly lower in brow. Alex Russell expressing her dismay. Oh my goodness, I had no idea that Harrison was so handsome and young. Not the image I had in my head at all. Deanna Dawkins also exclaimed, My goodness, Harrison is easy on the eye, isn't he? Our Witherspoon then gifted us all with an incredibly dashing photo of our Harrison, resulting in a swarm of swooning gifts. On a roundup of this week's polls, Royfield asked you what your favourite village event is. A resounding cry of the panto was your verdict. I have to agree. After a storming week for our sage and wise Lillian, Michelle Laverick said in Academic Archers, So, just signed up to the Lillian Bellamy School of Marriage Guidance, and I was prompted to ask you all, who do you think is our best advice giver? Jolene took the top spot, followed by Lillian, then Clary, and an honourable fourth for our Tracy. Speaking of our Tracy, I asked what your feelings were on the resolution of Tracy's fraudulent claim as I was personally looking forward to some theatrics, but was equally glad that the scriptwriters don't seem to relish in making Tracy look like a fool anymore. On that note, I asked whether this meant that Phil and Gav were on the way to getting away with it. Lillian McCarthy said she definitely did not think it would be Brad behind the claim. Gillian Corrigan said, I think after Tracy starts talking to Gav and Phil, she realises something is off and decides not to reveal it's not a genuine letter and will string them along until the truth comes out, brackets, about the horses. Laura Jackson similarly says, I think Tracy's spidey sense will kick in when she goes to chat with Phil or Gav about the letter. Soon, Tracy will be on the case. And in my favourite suggestion of the week, Christy Nicole responded, Tracy and Joy solving crimes together in Ambridge. I sense a spin-off series. Scriptwriters and commissioners, I hope you're listening. That's all we've got time for this week. I hope you're looking forward to more solid dialogue as much as I am. Bye. Amber, Amber, Amber. Oh, stunning. And the the fact that you actually emailed me and said, 
Royfield, what do you reckon to that? Was it all right? It was utterly brilliant, my love. Um, you are born, you've been born to do this. Uh, utterly fantastic uh, social media roundup. Peter Fickling. Yes. Calls upon me to call upon you, sir, to give us some tweets of the last seven days. And that will be my pleasure. The, um, so here we are. Go, uh, gold, silver, bronze. Bronze position, as is traditional. Um, we've got mm. Nick, and that's check your sheds. And there's a rather fetching um, picture of David Cameron with his hand on his knee, uh, media trained, obviously. And it says, a disgraced man spending too much time in his shepherd's hut. <laughs> we all know that <laughs> photograph. Yes, that's the one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, I know that's not safe for radio, is it? but uh, um, uh, I'm not a David Cameron fan. So I, that's why I got in there. Um, anyway. <laughs> uh, the next one, we've got uh, Patricia, Patricia, and she is at Olympians. And she says, is anyone calling BBC Borsetshire to complain the programme is all about Ambridge? <laughs> Which is actually a fair point. <laughs> it is uh, yeah, a little it's, bit... It's so parochial, isn't it? It's like basically all your relatives. Yeah, and feel free to pop, <laughs> pop by and grab a sandwich if you're going home, Neil. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, he, sorry, that's all wrong. It'd be, he is going home. Anyway, yeah. And in gold place... Is, uh, is that is that correct English? Gold place? Gold position? Gold position. In gold position, we have 13-minute man, at 13-minute man, um, numerals not spelt, and it's Custard Cream TV, a.k.a. CCTV. Yes, loved that. Ah. <laughs> yeah. CCTV. Well yeah. Yeah. Do you, think uh, script, do you think the script writers knew that? Is that why they chose Custard Creams? I, I think that's a happy coincidence. <laughs> right, so folks, I'm going to start to uh, to wind down proceedings. And I always start by saying dumptydum.com, go there. It's got stuff on there and it's got Cosmo and his wonderful podcast roundup. So what happens is I post the show up. Generally, um, Cosmo then a couple of days afterwards puts up um, a podcast review. Uh, a roundup of what's going on in the podcast. And the lovely thing is about it is that pod, uh, is that Cosmo fundamentally goes rogue. He doesn't necessarily agree with anything that's been said on the podcast. <laughs> and boy, oh boy, does he say it. <laughs> so there was me uh, casually mentioning that um, men over the age of 70 quite often have to pop a pill or so. <laughs> and Cosmo, au contraire, according to Cosmo. So <laughs> Mrs. Cosmo is obviously a very lucky woman. So uh, so why don't you go on to dumptydum.com, look at the podcast roundups. They are a thing of beauty, intelligence and mirth. And uh, he's just such a funny bloke, is our Cosmo. And he does not have an opinion or two. Uh, Cosmo, <laughs> we, we've threatened you with, a, with a, an appearance on the podcast and we're going to have to sort that out because uh, you're, you're, you are in the shadow, sir, and you need to bathe in the in the spotlight of the podcast. You really do. We'll have to get you on one day. Uh, so that's dumdydum.com. One of the great things you can do on dumdydum.com is you can go to our shop or our store and you can buy yourself some Dumpty Dum merch. Now, I did threaten um, a week or so ago that I'm going to dust off the wares in our in our shop, get it all ready for Christmas, and I'm going to do that uh, maybe in the start of October. But I've got to do a special big ups to Marion Barton, who posted on Facebook a couple of days ago, her looking rather happy with a brand new Dumpty Dum mug. 
So Marion, uh, you are a proper advert for all things wonderful and all things dum-de-dum in equal measure. So if you want to look like Marion and she looks very mm-hmm. happy, go on to our store, our shop, and get yourself some dum-de-dum merch. Or if you've got a loved one, if you're listening vicariously, saying, hmm, they're really into this weird and wonderful podcast about <laughs> the archers, but it's not necessarily something that you're doing, why don't you do something nice for your loved one? Sneak onto our store. Go buy your loved one a mug, a T-shirt, something that says Dumpty Dum. Or come delivered by Amazon and they'll love you right properly even more. They'll be like, oh, you're so thoughtful. So if you want to be a thoughtful lover, go on to <laughs> dumptydum.com, go on to our store, buy some merch. Now, another way you can show your support for our wonderful podcast, for our endeavour here, is by going on to Patreon. And I did say last week, uh, that we're going to thank the Patreons that have been with us. Uh, we're going to do that maybe next week because, in other words, I didn't quite have enough time to compile the list from Patreon. But we have had um, a few new Patreons recently. And uh, from the bottom of my heart, I do love you because you give shekel. You give hard-earned money for this podcast. You can listen to it for free, but you say, no, I'm going to show my appreciation with, uh, in effect, blood, sweat, and tears. And that means an awful lot so if you want to join these people go on to patreon.com it's two dollars per episode and what it means is that uh, when we have exclusive content you that basically the patreons just get it you know not 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 all the rest and whatever <laughs> but if you, times are hard and things you know we're in the middle of a global pandemic the uk economy is shrunk by who knows how much economists don't even really know could be anywhere between 8% and 13%. Who's to know? All we know is the economy's in the shitter. So we're not expecting (laughs) you just like to throw money at Dum De Dum if you haven't got money. But if you you can, show us a little bit of love. But if you tell a friend about the podcast, tell another Archers fan about it. Oi, there's this thing called Dum De Dum. Dum De Dum? What's that? It's where Peter and (laughs) Kerry and Royfield, you know, get round a podcasting mic and talk about Borsitcher. Tell them that. Another way you can show your support is maybe going on to iTunes, Apple iTunes. Now, I can tell you loads of things about Apple and how it has restricted practices on its app store, but let's put that to one side, right? (laughs) One of the great things about it is that every podcast we're talking about is on that app store and you can write a review. And if you write a positive review, it means that more people become dum-de-dumbers because we go up those podcast charts. And once we got all the way to number three in those charts, can you believe it? Little Royfield and his friends, Peter and Kerry, back up there, you know, mm. with the Joe Rogans of this world. Yeah. <gasps> Wouldn't that be a wonderful uh. thing? No, stop it, Peter. We're, we're on a high here. So, right. So <laughs> if you want us to displace Joe Rogan from the top of that podcasting perch, why don't you go on to Apple iTunes, write us a review. You don't even have to have an iPhone. You just go to Apple, sign up, and say, I believe in Android. I don't want to be sucking in to all this <laughs> iTunes malarkey and just write that review. They'll still accept it. They really will. Trust me. Try it. Now, uh, Kerry Warburton, Aunt yes. Kerry Warburton, I've run out of puff. Yeah, that was bloody brilliant. 
Royf. Thank you. You were, you were on a Thank roll you. then. Um, I, was. I I managed to eat a Pringle while you were doing that <laughs> <laughs> without anyone noticing. Uh, so uh, remember to get in contact. You can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on the website or call 0203-031-3105 to leave a message or send a text message starting with dumb to 077-862-00690. Well, you know, you don't have to be particularly long in the tooth in terms of your tenure being a dum dum listener to know what I'm going to say next. Twitter. <laughs> it's that It's that platform which is the great aggregator and disseminator of news and opinion. Mm. It's beloved of liberals, latte drinking liberals everywhere. And it skews left of centre. It absolutely does. And you does can it? get a distorted view. It absolutely does. It knows empirical mm. evidence about this, chat. Whereas Facebook skews right of centre. It okay. absolutely does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you can get somewhat of a distorted view of political events if you just look at what's happening on Twitter because it's it leans left. It does. I'm a lefty, but I'll admit it leans left. We do love our echo chambers, don't we? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm normally on the Daily Stormer message boards myself, but, you know, <laughs> that's just me. Well, you do have the blonde hair and blue eyes for it, Peter. I'm, yeah, I'm so. a little bit Aryan, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> However, um, twi- Twitter, um, we owe Twitter a lot here because without Twitter, there'd actually be no dum de dum and it's where I met Lucy, and, and dare I say it, Lucy and I then met you, the listeners. It was all through Twitter. So if you want to go uh, follow uh, Dum De Dum, go on to Twitter, type in Dum De Dum. If you want to go follow me on it, I'd question the reason why you really want to do that. <laughs> so I'll pass on that. But <laughs> Kerry, I want to Kerry Warburton. Um, how can people find you on that Hi, platform? my name's Kerry Warbis, and I'm at... Kerry Warbis, which is K-E-R-I-W-A-R-B-I-S. Peter Fickling, Um, I believe you're also on that uh, social media platform. So, Peter Fickling, if somebody wanted to Mm. follow Peter Fickling on that platform, Peter Fickling, could you tell us how they would, how and what they would type in to find Peter Fickling? They type in Pete Fickling, and I've got to say, since I've been using Dumpty Dum, I found Twitter been on Dumpty Dum. Twitter has been a lot more fun. Um, Kerry has been is great to uh, follow along with. <laughs> Boyfield is lying. You get to see some lovely pictures of his him and his family doing some exciting things all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've enjoyed it a lot more since I've been on Dumpty Dum. Peter, can I just ask you something? Uh, yeah. A, pre- a pressing question. You're Peter Fickling, but you're Pete Fickling on Twitter. Am I calling you yeah. the wrong thing? No, I when I'm, I say Peter, I don't. I'm not one of those people who gets to be precious about what people call me. So Pete or Peter, I don't mind. Um, and also, okay. it tends to be sort of self-selecting, doesn't it? People that the, the the Pete's of this world, so to speak, will call me Pete, and and the Peters mm. will call me Peter. So it, yeah, I'm happy either way. Okay, cool. My grandmother is the exception to this rule. She throughout my life has changed me backwards and forwards between Pete and Peter, and I think it's sort of. Uh, it's it holds a very slight mirror up to me, but anyway, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> I like to call you Fickers. 
Yeah, that's another one. Um, yeah, good. My surname, my surname, along with them um, being booed at school, my surname is a real boy named Sue named Fickling. Once you start changing a few letters around, um, oh, kids can have a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Is there an account for? Was it? Was it Walling? Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, no, we Fickbiss. Fickbiss. There <laughs> you I go. said Fickbiss, um, but, we but are. I think <laughs> Walling is better, isn't it? Yeah. Um, we are fake best. You our must laugh. Our destruction of Brown is that our main aim. It is all we yes. will. Let. <laughs> yeah. Please laugh you know at what? us <laughs> as we destroy him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? You're doing a very good job, the pair of you. I tell you, there's not much of me left on this podcast. Uh, we did when we did invite you on a call mm. last night. This is not going to be a bullying session. Thank you, Peter. But this is going to be this is going to be a, a fessing up. Kerry and I actually took accusations of bullying seriously and we did have mm-hmm. a discussion and we did I think, okay let, let's uh, let the, peter let's finish put the b, let, but wait a minute let's put the b word just to one side and say deliberate Teasing. exclusion exclusion no, marginalization no. okay For whatever 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 the word we're comfortable is and um is that we did agree that perhaps mm. there was a a, a, a thick pipeline of ribbing, teasing, bants with a Z yep. between you and Royfield. <laughs> there was a similarly healthy uh, transfer of information between yourself and myself, but we will admit, admit that Kerry and I maybe give each other a fairly easy time, and that is something yeah. we need to think about. We did indeed. Mm-hmm. But also, I thought you were going to say, Peter, we invited Royfield to speak to us on a phone call <laughs> last night, we and did, he yes. bloody ignored us. <laughs> I think I was editing. Be gracious enough to realise we did invite you. We're trying our best. We are. And even if we can't talk to you, we talk (laughs) about you. Can I talk about Facebook now, please? (laughs) Yes, of course, yeah. Facebook. Oh, goodness. Let's let's get out of one sticky conversation and talk (laughs) about the biggest social media network on the planet. More than 2 billion human beings have signed up to Facebook. It's a company that has a disproportionate influence over all of our lives, whether it is um, in our social interactions with our loved ones, through to the way that our political parties are now structured and how they're influenced by nefarious foreign governments. All of this can be pointed back at Facebook. It's not all just benign pictures of cats, your little niece or your nephew's just been born and uh, and you know your, your your in-laws live over there in California or whatever and you can't see them and you can just like facebook message them there's some wonderful things you can do on there there's also some dark places on facebook dumdy dum's not one of them it's a place of light and love type in dumdy dum onto facebook and join our group which has hundreds of happy shiny people REM would be happy. Happy, shiny people. They're over there. Go join them on Facebook after typing in Dum Dum. Now, <laughs> I've got now else more to say to you there, other than uh, Auntie Kerry Warburton, it's good to have you back. Thank you. How's your holiday? Oh, God, it was a tonic. This is my favourite word to describe having two weeks off work, one of which was here in the UK. The second of which was I bored everyone on Twitter with my holiday snaps was away in the sunshine. It was lovely. Thank you for asking. Oh, well, uh, you were missed. Uh, Rosie Porty uh, was wonderful, mm-hmm. uh, but you were missed. You were missed. And uh, Peter. Hello. Uh, <laughs> do we have your attention? Yes. 
smashing. Uh, are you taking your family away this summer? Or no. have you been away? No, um, regular listeners will know that I have had a tortuous um, wrestle <laughs> with my house trying to make it livable this, uh, this last year. And uh, um, we're just going to enjoy that for a few months, I think. Wonderful. Um, How about you, Roy? And your uh, trip to Berlin? You know. Berlin was utterly wonderful. Mm. It was great spending time with the little one before she mm-hmm. goes to university. There's a little bit, little bit drama because we we're on our way to Corfu. We we're on our way to Greece, and uh, we, we got to the uh, airport only to discover that you needed um, a health waiver VR code thing, which you need to do 24 hours before stepping foot in Greece. So there's no way we're going to get in Greece yeah. on that flight. I wondered what and, happened with your Greek trip. Okay. Mm, yeah. So we had. Uh, we had to sit down, as many other people on that flight did, in Costa, get out our mobile phones yeah. and uh, get ourselves um, another flight, you know, book another flight. And uh, so there was uh, seriously about 20% of that flight were people doing exactly the same thing. Mm. You could see hassled and stressed families, mm. you know, all worried. But uh, so we ended up in Berlin instead. And to be totally honest with you, I'm not one for Sansi and Sun holidays. Yeah, mm. I, I like them, but I'd rather have a good long city break. And that's what we had. And uh, to see the, you know, the remnants of the Berlin Wall, to go to Kreuzberg, to see Charlottenburg, uh, Checkpoint Charlie, much more culturally enriching as far as I was concerned. Mm. And, and Maisha thought so too. And so we had a wonderful time in Berlin. And um, I am now cramming in a whole load of Italian because I'm nipping over to Sicilia on Domenica on Sunday. Uh, So that's going to be fun. I'm going to put my uh, 20 years redundant Italian to the test (laughs) uh, by navigating myself around that Mediterranean island. Beautiful. Very nice. Oh, bellissima. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. And so so Dumpty Dum will be slightly delayed next week. Yes, because yeah. of that, folks. Um, I'm, what, I'm, what I am going to try and do, folks, is to um, tell you in advance when we are knocking back uh, production of the show because uh, people do start to get worried. I get emails and, and there is the odd tweet with people saying, is my ca- podcatcher broken? Invariably, no, it's not. It's just that um, for whatever reason... Uh, we haven't actually put a show up, but I will be better in future of telling everybody, informing everybody uh, when the show is going to be late. And next week's will be late. Here's a heads up. Right. That's me uh, with uh, me old muckers, me old pals, uh, Auntie Kerry Warburton and Pete Vickling. Uh, was it the Daily Storm are you going to go back to now, Pete? <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Smashing. All right. Uh, So that's me saying goodbye. Uh, Peter, would you like to say Alfida Sane? (laughs) Yeah, mein Führer. (laughs) (laughs) Mein Führer. (laughs) Auntie Kerry Warburton, can you say goodbye in Latvian or or some other language? Yeah, I did do that one time on another earlier podcast and there was dead silence. So I'll say it again. Alabunakti. That's good night. Again, silence.